Yes, coming in hot with the second episode of Football Played on Paper. Welcome, I'm your co-host Sean and I'm joined by my co-host Jobber. How are you, mate? Good, Sean. Big week of football this week, very exciting times. Huge week of football and um, the other thing I've got to say is uh, new mic alert over here, so hopefully my voice sounds nice and crispy compared to the pilot and, and last week. So the blogs have been firing up over that, haven't they? Yeah, coming for some criticism this week. Um, but look, that was all part of it. I think we've had we've had a lot of good feedback from the listeners too. So, um, granted, the audio is not great, but the content is excellent, and the people just can't get enough. Oh, they love it. They've been firm but fair with their feedback, I'd say. Um, so we might whip into an opening question. You got an opening question for the boys? Oh, so I'm going to segue into a couple of things here. So Bruno Fernandes lashed home Manchester United's 21st penalty of the season. That's right, he 21. Did. So he's kept the Europa League dream alive, the cup that all the clubs want to win. So uh, before the, oh, after the penalty, the Copenhagen manager gave a rant about how Anthony Martial didn't even try to stay on his feet. Um, you don't write a challenge in the box. But what's the best rant you have ever heard? Best rant I've ever heard. Um, and we're staying close to football, I presume? I think, for, yeah, for the podcast, we might have to this time. Okay. All right. Well, um, the best rant I've ever seen was um, wind your memory back to 1996. We're in a title race here. We got Newcastle United, the entertainers. We got Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United over the other side. Cut to Kevin Keegan. Yes, everyone's favorite, Keggy. Live. Live action here on Sky Sports. He's got the he's got the headset on, um, and it's like it's like one of those really old ones with the square top. So it sort of goes up and sort of square across the top, um, and you see him screaming into the microphone. Um, I will love it. I will love it if we beat them. Uh, of course, Keggy's entertainers went on to draw with <laughs> Forest uh, the next game, one all, um, handing Sir Alex Ferguson and the Manchester United boys the the Premier League title. Um, but, yeah, probably Keggy's breakdown and rant on uh, Live on Sky Sports circa 1996. What about yourself, mate? I actually love that Keegan from Keegan. He he's, he's going out and he's criticising. He's a good footballing man. Uh, yeah. yeah toss, Classic. My personal favourite was um, another former oh, – a former United manager, um, Louis van Gaal at Bayern Munich. So he uh, – he wasn't happy with the performance and Luca Tony retells the story. He said, the coach wanted to make it clear to us that he can drop any player. It was all the same to him because as he said, he had the balls. He then then literally demonstrated that by dropping his trousers. Oh no. (laughs) Uh, So it wasn't so, it's a rant, but it's also got a physical element there and um, anything involving an old Dutchman's nuts, you you can't go past it. So the nuts out of the shorts that we're saying at that point? <laughs> he's he's trouserless at this point. Imagine yeah, good. like strides to ankles sort of scenario. Lower than Jack Grealish's socks. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not a fan of that on the on the podcast, are we? Oh no, we're split down the middle on that. Um, I'm I'm not a fan. You're a fan. You can see a little bit of a uh, bit of calf popping out the top there. He's got, good, he's got a good set of pins on him, Jack. Great legs, Jack. Great legs. Um, all right, so we might whip in and give you a bit of a flavour of the pod and run through the running order. So we're going to round up the Europa League, um, the four games that, that have just been um, over the last couple of days, some good good fixtures in there, um, all over the single tie as well. Um, and then we'll have a look, a little peek, a little sneak peek into the um, Champions League over the next couple of days as well. Then we dive into everyone's favourite. Everyone loves this. The blogs have been been uh, rather positive on the transfer chat. And then we'll have a look at uh, Jobber's mailbag before we round out. So, mate, we might dive into the first game. The first game um, that we want to cover in the Europa League is United versus Copenhagen. Manchester United getting uh, scraping through with a 1-0 win. Thoughts on that game? Uh, yeah, uh, it, was a, it was an interesting one in the sense that it wasn't very interesting. Um Copenhagen parked the bus and United, there was a ghost of United past. Um, I really struggled to break him down. Bruno Fernandes had a couple of shots from range. He hit the post. 
Um, a goal disallowed rightly for um, offside for Mason Greenwood. Greenwood. But- and he hammered that home, didn't he? He really cracked that on his right foot. And um, he doesn't score goals any other way than smashing it like that. Yeah, it was a good finish, but he was well offside. And again, like the linesmen should have seen that before. But I know they're told to keep their flags down. But yeah, no, look, it wasn't wasn't entirely convincing. But at this stage of the competition, you just got to get through um, another peno. But... You just got to take it. What do you another think? Another peno, yeah, another peno. So, like, how much do you think um, United are paying um, the referees to get all these penos? Do you think that's that is a libelous accusation? Um, <laughs> well, a couple, they, couple of euros in a, in a brown paper bag. Top. What are we talking? Are we talking duffel bag? A Louis V um, duffel bag getting handed over? I, the du- but the 21 penalty, so one springs to mind as being obscenely incorrect at Aston Villa. The, the Villa but, one, yeah, yeah. But, like, we have a lot of uh, – we, sorry. Manchester United have a lot of um, – Oh, no, he just not bad. – of fast players who, yeah. like, will encourage challenges around the box. And it's – like, it's a slight on defenders more than anything. Like, you shouldn't be jumping in in the box. If you've got someone as fast as Marcus Rashford running at you, like, you have to defend well. And if you – like, no one rides a challenge in the box. It's like the second thing you're taught after locking your ankle. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think I, – I, I agree. I think they um, they finished fourth. Um, as you say, they got a lot of nippy players, especially in the front third. And I think those – combination of those two things means that they are going to win on a lot of penalties. The one that jumps out, as you say, is, is the Villa one. But apart from that, I, I don't – I can't – none of them jumps to mine. And I don't think you can just look at stats – and just say, like, Manchester United have been awarded this amount of penalties and let's say Wolves, for example, have been awarded this amount Like, and just say that's unfair. Like, So the the outcome doesn't sort of um, typify the inequality there. But, yeah, I thought um, I thought Copenhagen did quite well to keep the game um, pretty tight. Um, both teams played a 4-3-3. Um, and the other thing I thought was interesting is, do you remember when um, Brendy Rodgers went on that, uh, almost title run with Liverpool, and how the two, the two, the left and the right back push right up, and then the two centre backs split really, really wide, and then Stevie G drop in between the two centre backs, and so I saw a lot of that from Manchester United. Um, Ari um, splitting wide with um, Bailly, and then what happened was Fred was dropping into that hole, um, which worked quite well. I mean, they kept a lot of the ball, not that um, Copenhagen were pressing them, so it, w- it would be easy to keep the ball. And Fred only made sort of one one mistake early on, which um, almost cost them a goal um, before, I think it was Pogba got back, um, put a stop to it um, before clearing. So, yeah, I think um, I think Manchester United you know, deserved to go through, but I think they made it tougher than um, than what they should have, really. Yeah, I think I think uh, an early goal, like I think that game could have been um, a cricket score, but it just didn't happen. And then every time it doesn't happen, and every minute goes on, the pressure just seemed to build. Um, and thankfully, uh, like Anthony Martial just just turned it on for five ten minutes. Everyone's saying oh, he's world class, he's this and that, but it was only like a couple of runs. He's silky, we know he's silky, um, and he just went down the box. But he he was a bit of a shining light. But again, we need more goals out of him. Um, but, yeah, look, you'll take it. You go through. <laughs> Severe up next. Um, so that's that'll be a different challenge. Yeah, I, I don't think you sort of complain too much about the um, the performance when you're at, at this stage of the competition and it's a one-off game. Like you don't see um, the Spanish fans um, around that World Cup thinking, gee, this is boring as they're winning one nil games all the way to the – to the final to win something. So, yeah, I think Manchester United struggled to get through, but they got through, and I don't think at this stage of the competition you complain at all. So they push past Copenhagen um, and and go through. Um, The Danes go home, and we might move on to Inter Leverkusen. So uh, do we call them Inter or do you still call them the Manchester United? Yeah, we're going from Manchester United to the Manchester United Reserves. Um, Manchester United Reserves, yeah. Yeah, that was was an entertaining game, a couple of entertaining teams, but... I think Inter should have absolutely battered them. Um, they they were the much better side. They just didn't. They just weren't clinical enough. Which, the finishing wasn't good enough, was it? Well, has anyone ever said that about Romelu Lukaku before? Oh, so what about that that one he got slipped through um, on on the left hand side? He's on his left foot, closing in. He just gets himself too close to the keeper. Tries a little um, dink, and just the keeper just gets too close to him, hits his shoulder. Um, yeah, so I thought he could have done better with that. The but other he, one, his um, goal which was, was his goal was good. But. His goal was good um, and should have been a penalty, but he did well to finish. But the other thing I want to cover is that um, what about that time? Um, I think there was a 
a half volley inside um, inside the box um, that got struck on target and the Kaku's standing in off side position in front of the keeper or just the side of the keeper and it could have gone in and it hits him in the leg and rebounds out. Like I just think that um, he's just a second-tier striker and he uh, the, all of the things that I saw in that game just remind me of why he left United. Um, just as I said, that, that miss where he was one-on-one, the poor finishing um, and just the, the goofy touches and then, yeah, obviously that um, that time he was in front of the keeper in an offside position to, to block a shot. Having said that, I think um, him and Young seemed to hook up um, quite nicely. So Young was coming down that left-hand side, chopping in on his right foot and then zinging it into um, to his feet and obviously he's too much of a beast. Um, he was just holding that ball up the whole time. They love that play, don't they? Lukaku sort of on top of the box and Young cuts in. Um and, yeah. and like either Lukaku either holds it up or like if he turns, like if he takes a good touch, which is critical for Lukaku mm. and rolls the defender, there's not much you can do because he's so powerful. And that's um, how he got his goal. Yeah, Young slipped yeah. it in. He was just, just too strong. But that was going to be a penalty um, if if um, if he didn't finish anyway. But, yeah, decent finish. It was. It was and again, um, no one, no one's criticising Lukaku's ability to find the back of the net. It's the other elements of his game that, um, that probably aren't up to that top tier. And you see, like United going back to them, you see they're, they're a lot more fluid in that front three than they were when he was playing. And I'm not saying he's a good footballer or a bad footballer, but he wasn't what we wanted right now. Um, but I thought, look, they'll, they'll go through. They're a good side as well. Um, Conte's got them very well drilled. Um, they've got some wise heads back there too. They've got Godin, Ashley Young. Like I think they're as good a chance of anyone to win. Um, the Shakhtar game is going to be very interesting because I think Shakhtar is a bit of an unknown, but Inter were good to go through and it would be a really good final if um, and a nice little narrative too if United play Inter in the final. Yeah, agreed. I think um, Inter deserved to go through in that tie. As you say, it could have been more. Um, the only other thing to look forward to for um, Inter is, is really next year. I mean, can they topple um, Juve? So, I mean, Juve going through a little bit of turmoil at the moment with the with the manager change, um, and there's some rumours circulating, which you might touch on later. Um, Ronaldo um, and and PSG um, and him having him having the um, being a bit over it over there. So we'll, we'll see. I think Inter have got a good chances, um, probably they have in a long time of going close to winning the um, Scudetto. So we'll see see how that goes. Any more on that game before we move on to Wolves Sevilla? No, I think we'll revisit Inter another day, but because I've, I've got some thoughts there. But um, oh, no. going on to going on to everyone's second favourite team at this point in time, I think Wolves. Mm. Um, they were comprehensively outplayed, it, and don't 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 be sad that they're out. I think smile that they got as far as they did because they were they were. They, I think they were battling a little bit above their weight with the games, and I think the season's been what three hundred and eighty three days long. It's the longest ever. Um, three years ago, they were in the championship. So they were they were brave. Um, they weren't disgraced. Sevilla are a very good team if you haven't seen them. And if Raul Jimenez had tucked that penalty away, it could have been a very different story. Yeah, I, w- I want to talk about that, Peno. So um, last week against uh, Olympiacos, um, he took a very, very similar penalty where he's just um, sort of strolled up with that sort of stuttering start, um, waited for the keeper to move, and then at the last minute just opened his body with his right foot and passed it um, over to the right-hand side. And so he tried something very similar, um, and I think the, the keeper just stayed on his feet a little bit longer and, and pulled off a save. But I can't imagine that it is the best idea to take the exact same penalty one week apart when you know you're in a, a knockout game. Um, so I, I, in no circumstances has the um, keeper and the coaching staff um, at Sevilla, not done their homework and and rehearsed that exact peno kick um, in the lead up to the, to the game. So yeah, I was a bit disappointed w- with the peno, and as you say, that that could have changed the game. But I think Sevilla um, were just too street smart. I think that they've got the runs on the board in those European competitions. Too smart um, and just wily. Like yeah, I, I think street smart's the best way to to put them. They're just yeah, they, they just know what they're doing in those um, specific ties. Even at the end when um, Wolves needed a goal, the team that looked more likely was Sevilla. They, they were pushing forward um, and had more chances late doors than, uh, than Wolves did. Yeah, I think 1-0 one nil, one nil didn't flatter Wolves, but it probably wasn't an indication of how dominant Sevilla were. Um, my boy Eva Benega was... 
like straight ahead the best player on the pitch. Um, a Campos with the goal, and he impressed again. Diego Carlos, I wouldn't be surprised if a bigger club comes in for him this summer. He looked very assured. Um, the only other criticism I might have of Wolves, as I was watching it, um, I don't think Nuno got the selections right. And this is going to be a very unpopular opinion because Adama Traore won the penalty, but I think Jota would have been a better man for the job and then bring Adama on later so he's not wasting his energy because they were dominated for such long periods and he looked he looks a bit lost when they defend. Um, yeah, I think he does, when, he's when very streaky. Like he needs to be he needs to be running at players fast in space. Um, so I, yeah. I think he got the selection wrong. Yeah, I think maybe he was thinking that um, Severe would have um, most of the ball, which, which they did. They really um, controlled the the midfield, um, and so maybe that's why he played um, Adame there because if you're going to have less of the ball, you pr- you might want him on on the break. But but you're saying that um, if you got more of the ball, then you want to get him on the ball. But yeah, I see both sides. But I think it's one of those ones where if if you lose, he got it wrong. If he if um, if uh, Jimenez finishes, you're like, oh, what a, what a masterstroke that was to pick um, Adame Traore, and, and he won a pen. So yeah, it's not very helpful, is it? After, but um, yeah, I, I just I was sitting there and I was thinking, geez, Jota, I think Jota would have been a better man for the job just because he could have brought him later. But look. They they should be uh, very happy with their efforts, and I think that's that's where they are. I think they've done really well. They get a, they get a year off now from European competition to to. <laughs> I think they need to strengthen that squad a little bit. Not so much the current players, but just a bit deeper. Um, yeah, they need to go deeper. And as you say, there, there is no European football for them next year, which is a, a bit of a shame because they they become a bit of a fixture um, on these little mazy cut runs um, through through Europe. And and, fe- and as you say, it feels like they've been in Europe a lot longer because. Um, their seasons have been going so long, and they prior to that they went through the qualifying phase to get into Europa. So it, it's been going on for yeah, as you say, more than twelve months. And so maybe that's why it feels like they've been running through Europe a little bit longer. But um, we might head to the to the last game and um, Shakhtar. Geez, they they really really surprised me that um, how how much quality they had, and they just breezed past Basel. Um, and for me, the main talking point there would be Shakhtar shirts, hot shirts. Uh, yeah, hot shirts. I think that they're a, they're a smoky. I know we've only got four teams left, but um, like they've got a lot of like silky Brazilians, which you don't normally see in a Ukrainian team. But no, no I, but do do they have a tunnel from Brazil to Ukraine? Because the players that they've got in there, as you say, they're all Brazilian and they're all. Um, have amazingly sharp feet. They just looked a, a different level to Basel for me. Yeah, they, they were, but they've produced a couple of good Brazilians previously. So William went through that route. Um, yeah, heaps of Brazilians do. Yeah, and I think all the scorers were Brazilians. Yeah. And Tyson, I know Tyson's been um, spoken about as to going to bigger clubs before. Um, Fred's from there as well. But I don't know. It's a tunnel or is it cheap flights? I don't know. Like... They, they seem to always produce a lot of these Brazilians, and I thought they were really good, and they were pretty impressive um, in the previous round too. So I don't think they'll go to Inter and be disgraced. I'll go to Inter, not leave the city, no. and play Inter. Um, what did you think of uh, Basel's keeper, um, that Niklovic? Um, I thought he had a couple of howlers in there, especially the first goal. The corner. Where he just sort of, yeah, he just sort of dived out. And just sort of flapped his wrist at it, um, and there was one that he dropped um, a couple of minutes later, which really didn't do him in, um, didn't make him out to be a good keeper, didn't put him in a good light at all. I, I thought he had a bit of a tough game. Him, yeah, he had a howl. Like that first one was so confusing. Like what? Like why are you getting that low on the corner? Like it and why? Why are you coming out? It, I don't know. Yeah. It was. It was just confusing, and it, like it. It was so early as well. I was yeah. in the second minute. Second yeah. minute. Yeah, and that really knocked the wind out, out of Basel. But um, Dodu, the, the Brazilian right back, I think he was best on ground for me. Um, he, he was flying up and down there. He's just so athletic, really good feet, really good on the ball. Um, there was one point where he had a close penalty shout, so um, he just put a hand across a guy and I think it went to VAR, but no peno, and he scored the last goal. Oh, I thought I thought he looked really good and I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of big clubs start circling for him. Yeah, and I think Shakhtar's in a good position where they don't need to sell, but um, it's definitely a stepping stone. So I'd be interested to see if we might be talking about them in a couple of weeks in the transfer chat. Agreed. Um, so 
if we look to the to the semis now, um, we're looking at uh, Sevilla and Manchester United. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On there for United. I think Sevilla's favourites. They were excellent the other day. I think so. Yeah, uh, but I think we'll we'll uh, we'll preview that game on on the next pod. But um, we won't dive too deep into it now. But yeah, I think um, Sevilla are the favourites for for this competition. And on, on the other side, the other semi final um, is Inter and Shakhtar, um, and that'll be that's the that's the pick of the bunch for me. I think that game. Yeah, I'm tipping Shakhtar, but I think we can we can dive into that later. So let's move on to, um, well, I suppose the Premier Cup competition, the let's UEFA Champions League. A couple of big days coming up, isn't there? Huge days of football. Um, not a lot of sleep, depending on what time zone you're in. Um, for us, yeah, not a lot of sleep or some early mornings, but what a, what a lineup of games. So we've got Atalanta and, uh, and PSG first, and these are over a single tie as well. Is that right? That's correct. So it's just one off. Just, just a one off time, game. Just enough time for PSG to bottle it. And what are your thoughts on Mbappe? Uh, Rumours getting around that um, he's a bit doubtful. I think he'll play. I don't think it matters if I don't think it matters if he's on one leg. I think they'll strap him up, probably with oil money to hold the leg together. Um, that that oil oil money is notorious for being a little bit stronger than um, than say. Some of your more traditional um, real estate money, etc. Yeah, I think I think if if there's any chance he can play, he'll play. He has to. Like they just they just can't get this deep in the Champions League, and I think this is probably their best chance to win it of recent years. I think he'll play this regardless. Whole, this is the whole reason they bought him in Nene, isn't it? Yeah, well, I suppose, and it's like they're going to win the French league in a canter, but he he has to play, and obviously Neymar's fine. But um, the big other doubt is Marco Verratti. Um, Di Maria is already yeah. suspended, but Verratti is so, a vital cog in that team. Yeah, he, he makes them tick, doesn't he? So Di Maria, um, Di Maria definitely out and through suspension, and Verratti doubtful. You saying? Yeah, Verratti doubtful, and that hurts. And Mbappe is doubtful as well. He was only injured a couple of weeks ago in the cup final, but I think I think he'll play. But I'm hearing that that Verratti will not play. Okay, so I've, I've the, got Atalanta gone- favourites. You do the goal machine um, being Atalanta um, favourites with ninety eight goals um, this season. So who are you tipping? Then are you brave enough? I, I was already Atalanta, even if Mbappe plays. I think I think they're they're electric, and if you're a neutral, um, they are an excellent team to watch. So um, Zapata, um, I'm trying to think now. Ilicic is out because he has depression. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That's a big loss. Mm, but, walk incident, yeah. Yeah, but they can they can score from anywhere and they play really good football. So if you're a purist and you can only watch one game, this would be the game to watch. Is it? Yeah, they they're so they're so underrated because Juve have won that league in a canter and I think they end up finishing second. But 98 goals in a notoriously defensive league. Yeah, like they they're they're the real deal. Yep, I think for this game, what you can do is you can. I think it's going to go to some sort of extra time, um, of some description, and then at that point, I think you can flip a coin um, about which way it goes. I think, yeah, I'd probably reserve my final tip until I see um, see who's actually starting, whether um, Variety get gets through and Mbappe starts. But yeah, I think this one will be a close one, and I am tipping some extra time. And as I said, at that point, you can flip a coin. So we might move on to the energy drink and Atletico. Yeah, this is this is a, this is a contrast of styles. So I personally am a big fan of Diego Simeone, the world's highest paid manager. Um, but they've had a pretty tough week, um, a tough couple of months actually. So they they played Liverpool and beat Liverpool, which is obviously no mean feat, um, and then basically were responsible for COVID in the north of England. Um, and then this week, they've had two players ruled out with positive tests. So, like, it's a tough week for them, but Leipzig are without Timo Werner. He's gone to Chelsea, and he's, um, again, that oil money was enough to convince him that not to go deep in the Champions League. Um, but I, I, I think Atletico are going to be too street smart um, for them, and I think Diego Simeone is just – there's an interesting stat going around. I'm not sure if you've seen this. Diego Simeone has never been knocked out of the Champions League by a team not featuring Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I did read that. Our boy, Ronnie, huh? Jeez, you love him. Um, 
quick diversion onto Ronnie while we're on the subject. Did you see his uh, IG post the other day on the back of his yacht with uh, with the real short shorts and the uh, cheese grater on front of? Yeah, he looks he looks unfit and out of shape. I think that's why they're trying to sell him. Um, <laughs> yeah, going, it, going back I, to the football, I, we could spend days talking about Ronaldo's abs. Um, but who do who do you like? Leipzig or Atletico? Yeah, I think you got to go Atletico. I think their experience in this competition versus um, Leipzig's um, experience in this competition will get them over the line. Similar to Sevilla, I think they're too street smart. I think um, they will. Do them in normal time is my prediction, um, and I think I think they'll go through. Um, and I think if they go through, they'll they'll be uh, they'll be getting shorter and shorter um, through the through the odds, obviously. And um, yeah, I think this time they could do it do go the whole way, especially with no Ronaldo in the competition to knock them out. So Atletico for me in normal time. So then that leads us into the big one. Um, so Barcelona yeah, versus Bayern. What, wow. what are you thinking? Jeez, that that's a that's a real uh, mouth watering fixture. That one. Oh, so you thought Atalanta PSG was the pick of the bunch? Nah, this is this is the pick of the bunch here. Barca Bayern. So this is why the Champions League was invented to see these two teams and teams like these go head to head. But I I really am looking forward to this tie. Um, Based, I watched their both of their previous games. Um, I think in a one-off fixture, I think that slightly favours Bayern um, as opposed to it being over two legs, not, not having to go to the new camp, which is, um, I think, slightly more um, difficult than going to the um, Allianz. Um, and I, from based on what I saw in the last two games, I just think Bayern have too many tools, whereas if you look at Barca, they're sort of, um, you spoke about it on the last pod. Um, they're obviously relying on Messi, and why wouldn't you be? But then they've only got a couple of um, tools to to hurt you as well, um, with Suarez um, and and Griezmann in there, who could hurt you. Whereas Bayern, I think they're more of a Swiss Army knife, um, and they've got so many more tools to hurt you. They can hit you, hurt you down down the wings, and obviously they've got um, Lewandowski. Who's in really good form and just smashing goals in uh, for fun at the moment? So I think Bayern are going to have too many tools to hurt them, and I think Bayern gets the job done. I think they do it in regular time, and I think there's multiple goals in this one. So a score, multiple goals, score win for Bayern. It's, it's a mouthful. I um I I think Bayern will win, but I I feel differently. I I'm just off Barcelona. Like I. They're over a line mm. on Messi. They're just not that good. And the good thing about Messi too is is you can see that he's still good, but um, he's making a real effort to make it a real toxic finish and try and um, turn on everyone on his way out. I think Bayern are a much better side. Like Barcelona didn't convince in the last leg beating Napoli. I just I just didn't. I watched them and I thought they're just not that good. And if it wasn't for a piece of Messi magic, which again is pretty handy to have. Um, Bayern are a much better t- team. I actually went and saw Bayern live this year um, mm. against Wolfsburg, and they're so impressive. At home? Or at, at, ho- at home, at the Allianz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're so impressive. Like, and Hansi Flick is a good manager. They had to get rid of Kovac. And, yeah, I think you're right. They've got way too many options. Um, Lewandowski's firing. Um, yeah. In that Barca back four, I just don't trust anyone in there. Piquet's obviously, like, he's done a lot in the game, but he'd be the only one in there that you like. He's a competent defender. Um, Sergio Busquets could come back in, and I don't know if he'll play, but I just don't think they just don't have enough to beat Bayern. I think this. Yeah, is, I think they'll. I think okay. Bayern will win comfortably. Yeah, I think Bayern have got too too many legs for them too. I, I think if you look at all of um, Bayern's squad, they're just rapid. They're just genuine A grade quality athletes. Whereas um, Barca, as you said last week, are just on the on the on the downside. So I think, yeah, I think with Rakitic and Busquets, um, yeah, their legs just, they're just going to get overrun in the midfield um, and they'll be too strong. Whereas on the, um, on Bayern's side, yeah, I think you've got the Arsenal reject up there in Serge Gnabry, um, Lewandowski, Kingsley, Coman. I mean, the list goes on. As I said, they've got too many tools and they will get the job done. West Brom reject. Um, <laughs> Serge Gnabry, actually. Tony Fuller yeah. turned him down. I think he hooked him before halftime once. So next one, Man City, Man City versus Leon. Um, 
what do you think? No Sergio Aguero. But, uh, oh, geez, I don't know. I don't think that's going to be enough for Leon. What do you think? Nah, nah this is the clearest one uh, to pick for me. I think um, out of the fixtures, I think this is definitely the easiest to pick. Um, I think, yeah, Man City got too many tools um, to to hurt them and they look so good um, playing against Real Madrid. We're brave enough to, to press Real Madrid and that sort of shocked Real Madrid in the, in the last game. Um, and I think they'll be too good. And I think your mate, the bald fraud, will, um, yeah, slip straight past Leon. And I think Leon are sort of will be and find themselves a little bit out of their depth. I think it will be a little bit tighter, um, similar to the Barca and Bayern fixture. My point is similar there, where I think it was if it was over two legs. I think Man City might get a bit more distance, but over the one leg, Leon may might be able to keep it a little bit tighter and pinch something. That's a, that's their only chance, but I think Man Man City will pass them to death, choke them to death, um, and and get some get some goals. And I think this is the clearest victory out of the game for me. What do you reckon? I think it's good that it's over one leg too, because it doesn't give Pep the time to overthink it, which he's been criticised of doing in the past. So they can just go in, they can play the team on the day, and they're just going to be way too good. Um, like they've got such good depth, they could start. You know, they could probably rest a couple of players if they wanted. I think they'll they'll be way too good. It'd be nice to see if Memphis Depay can produce anything. But the other thing I think was interesting from the last fixture, and it just slipped my mind, is how much of a difference um, Americ Laporte makes to City. It's a bit understated. Yeah. Like <laughs> He was so good against Real Madrid just doing his job. Um, yeah. He's so, so good at his job, you, you don't notice him. Yeah, when he went missing during the year for Man City, you could see their um, results really dive. So, yeah, I think he had a, a similar effect to what um, Vincent Company had on them um, sort of the year before that, where as soon as he went missing, they were they just sort of lost their mojo and, and lost their, their base t- to build from. Um, as we know, they, they keep the ball and build out from the back and as soon as he's not there telling them what to do and sort of dictating play initially, I think they, they look a little bit brittle. Um, but, yeah, I think with Laporte in there, they look much, much stronger. But, yeah, as I said, Man City will skip past Leon. Yeah, too easy. All right, so let's let's move into my favourite segment, um, the transfer chat. So Liverpool have completed the signing of Costa Samarcus from Olympiacos. Um, he what, actually featured... Uh, the fee's about 11 mil, I think, um, mm. on a five-year deal. Um, bit of, it's like he's not going to be a world beater, but he was, he was good against Wolves, and he's he's rapid. Uh, but I think he'll be a he'll be a backup and a challenge for Andy Robertson. What do you think? Yeah, I think I agree. He, he's uh, that screams of a squad player signing for me, and I'm sure he'll really enjoy the League Cup next season. Um, but he, I can't see him getting a game in front of um, Andy, especially with the runs on the board that he's got. Um, I think since he's such an established um, first-team player, Andy Robinson, um, it won't just take one bad game to dislodge him. I think um, Kloppo will, will give him a few games. So even if he strings a few bad games together, I think he's still going to keep his spot because he's got the runs on the board. But I think as we mentioned um, in the last pod, Liverpool can sign from a position of strength. So I think they're just bolstering their squad um, and that way I think Andy can um, stay a little bit more fresh and not have to play some of those games where um, they think that they can get through without him. So I think, yeah, a good signing, good squad signing, and that will do them good. Yeah, I don't think Andy Robinson's had many bad games at Liverpool. Um, no. so yeah. I think this like, I think this poor bug is going to be looking at some time on the pine. I don't even know if he'll be in the... Um, he might have to play FA Cup and not travel to the Champions Cup, uh, the World Champions <laughs> Cup, whatever. He might he might stay with the kids. Um, but look, you need to strengthen the squad, and I think it's a, it's a hand enough signing. Hoiberg Tottenham, to Tottenham. What have they done? Yeah, yeah, they I, I done? like this. I like this yep. a lot. So okay. I think um, he's a good player. He's former Bayern Munich midfielder, um, mm-hmm. and he will sit nicely in that defensive midfield pivot role that Jose Mourinho loves. Um, he was, um, <laughs> he was like trying to tailor Eric Dyer's game and grooming him, if you will, for the role. Um, but Eric wasn't competent enough. So Hoiberg will come in, and I think he'll be really good there. Yeah, I think they've moved – Dyer towards the end of the season was moved back to centre-back. Um, so I think that creates a little bit of room. And obviously um, Dembele's been rather underwhelming and has definitely caught on um, Jose's uh, offside there. So yeah, I think a, a good signing, and I think he might might start and might get some more um, game time 
um, than than you might initially think. What about um, Daniel Sturridge? Um, he's floating around. Is he worth a punt? Is um, anyone going to pick him up? I, th- I think they will. Uh, is he worth a punt uh, is the question for me. So obviously he's had a couple of good seasons. He's played at some big clubs. I don't think anyone questions his ability. Yeah, it's just getting him fit, isn't it? That That's the biggest trouble with him, just getting him fit. Getting him fit, and I don't know if it's interest or like if he just drifts in and out of games, but he's mercurially talented. If, I, if I'm a... Mm-hmm. If I'm a recently promoted team, um, I think you take a punt on him for his experience and his ability. But th- like he's going to be out for long periods, so you can't yeah. really rely on him. Yeah, I think if you're a smaller club, maybe you roll the dice and um, and structure his contract to look a bit more like a um, play and paid role um, rather than sort of some flat wages or get some incentives there. So, you know, if he does break down, um, you can save on wages because um, he's coming from a, a big wage base. So um, some of those mid-tier and smaller clubs might um, might scare them away. But I think if they can structure the deal properly, there is some value to be squeezed out of him. Um, apart from um, that left foot volley that he scored for England, my second favourite Sturridge moment is that time he went on um, Instagram Live when his dog got stolen. Uh, and he was, uh, he got home and um, they'd smashed his window and stole his dog. Um, I'm laughing, but um, it was a sad moment. Um, but I mean, what do you do? Your dog gets stolen. Tough times. Yeah, look, that, that's that's how Daniel wants to be remembered. He's not dead, um, <laughs> but look, now he's he's a talented player, and I think I think he's worth a punt. But um, yeah, yeah, my my favourite Daniel Sturridge moment was him leaving England. Um, he's played for clubs. Oh. He's, he's played for clubs I don't like. Um, so <laughs> moving on to another player who's played for clubs I don't like, but I would like to see at my club, Aaron Ramsey, told he's not in Perlo's plans after signing on a free. Like was it twelve? Twelve months ago, two years ago, like and he's he's already not in his plans. And Perlo, Gee. it's it's good from Perlo because he's only been manager for a day and he's already got a plan. Gee, have a go at him, yeah. It's he's taken twenty five minutes to size up Ramsey, and maybe he's gone in the tea room and um, Ramsey's uh, stolen stolen his favorite biscuit or something like that, and um, Pirlo's jogged him on. But yeah, I think that that's a little bit too early. I'm not sure what um, Pirlo sees that um, others don't, because as you say, especially if you got him on a free. Um, why wouldn't you want to try and um, sort of squeeze some value out of him, get some game time? He, I appreciate he might not want to start him every game, but why wouldn't you want to um, keep him on the bench and, and run him on? I understand his wages are rather high. Because he come on a free, um, he could command a little bit more um, in terms of wages. But, yeah, it does seem a little bit early. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I, would, I would think I think it's a good idea. I think he's 29. He's very injury prone. Um, I'd get rid of him while he's still got some value. Because really? yeah, once he hits, but, once he hits thirty, like, and there's this philosophy in clubs, except for Arsenal, um, where if you're signing a thirty-year-old player, you get him on a one-year deal because it's effectively on your terms. Because after thirty, like, the next injury could be the last. Yeah. Um. So I think I think it's a good idea. I'd get rid of him. Um. They've got they need to do a bit with that squad. Um. There's a like there's a lot of players over that 29 and over age that they need to move on. Um, and I think he's probably a victim of the like the depth they have in that position. Um, yeah. They've already moved Matweedy on, and we'll get to that in a minute because this is very exciting. But I think I think it's a good move to get rid of him. Um, and I think he's still got some value, and I think Premier League, big Premier League clubs will be looking at him. Um, and there's obviously there's a percentage that goes on top of a fee if you're dealing with a big Premier League club. So I think I think yeah. it's a good idea. And I think but I think it's good for all parties. Like Do whoever signs think- him gets a good player. Yeah. See, I kind of disagree. I think um I think he's his market value um I appreciate there is market value for him, but just not in this economic environment. I just think the fee that you could get from him is is um, if you hold him for twelve months and get him to play for you and get some good games out of him and then sell him, let's say post uh, COVID. 19 environment you're probably going to eke out the same amount of cash for him so i think that yeah it does seem a little bit odd and um seem a little bit early for me the other thing that we didn't didn't think about is it could be dress code related as you know pilo is a rather sharp dresser so potentially ramsey's rolled in with one of his um 
sort of Welsh track shoots on and um, Pirlo just didn't like the, sh- like, like the shape of him there. Yeah, I, I mentioned the other day, I think if, if, if Ramsey wants to stay, I don't think he has to stay that long just to stick his, um, dig his heels in. I don't think Pirlo's going to be there very long. Um, yeah, okay. I just I don't think he's done enough. And I think that an, an his, his value as a player was what he could see on the pitch that others couldn't. And yeah. I don't know if that necessarily translates into a good manager, like how he can articulate that to his players. But that's that's not transfer chat. That's a personal perspective. But I just don't think that's going to be. I don't think it'll be there very long. Yeah. So, okay. Um. So let's let's um let's say that you are a football manager. I know a bit hard to believe, and you are shopping for a left back in the prem. Who are you looking around at? Well, I was looking at Ben Chilwell, but everyone oh, stopped. Right. Um, well done. Well, Chelsea, it sounds like they're no longer interested because they've been yeah, watching right. the Europa League and they're going after Regulon, on my advice, I'd say. Oh, they've heard the pod. They've downloaded episode one. They've heard the music to their ears and they've gone, no, nah, we're <laughs> off to well. Um, no, in, on this one, I, I genuinely think that um, potentially what's happened is they've been priced out of it. So I think they inquired about Chilwell and I think um, he's tied up on a long-term deal with Leicester and I think Leicester don't need to sell him. So I think Leicester gassed up the price and Chelsea said, okay, we'll move on to, to plan B. That That's that's my read of it. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm slightly different. I think that um, Frank Lampard saw a defender, realised he doesn't like signing defenders and then saw how attacking Regulong was and thought, I can sign a defender but actually he's almost an attacker. So I don't need to fix our defensive woes. I'll just... I'll just keep signing attackers, um, but no. Look, I think I think it's I think it's good for Leicester. They can hold on to a player they didn't need to sell, um, so they keep a good footballer. I think it's win-win. Um, obviously, Chelsea Chelsea still don't have a left back of repute. Um, oh, come well, on, mate, Marcus Alonso. <laughs> Marcus Alonso. He's in a perfect example of a, a defender that can't defend, but can, can like he pops up in like the six yard box when you never expect him to. Just where you need him, tap one in the back <laughs> stick. Yeah, but, but he'll get sent off against Bayern Munich when you really yeah. need him. He'll push Tammy Abraham out the way and tap one in. So yeah, Marcus Alonso is not the answer. Um, but yeah, look, I think it's good for I think it's good for Leicester to hold on to him. Um, yeah. But I do think someone will come into him eventually. Um, the next one I've got on my list here is Blaze Matweedy to Inter Miami. Oh, this is juicy, huh? Hey? Yeah, big Old D-back. Yeah, he's got that PSG hookup from back in the day. Uh, I'm not sure whether they would have crossed paths or not when um, – I doubt I think, it, actually. I think they would have. No, I think they would have, yeah. yeah. Okay, and um, yeah, he's off to um, Miami, huh? How about that? Off to the beaches, and apparently he's not the only one. Um They've been linked with a couple other players. They were linked with David Silva, but it looks like he's off to Lazio in that mega deal um, of the the quarter of the his wage. Yeah, it was he? <laughs> it's fifty-two <laughs> grand in a flight. Um, yeah. That'll be he's he's got one of the premium seats on Ryanair. Um, no, but like. Um, I think I think there'll be a few more to go to into Miami. I think it's a pretty enticing proposition if you're a 33 year old player. Like, go live in the sunny Miami, join Bex's football team. You get to be mates with Bex. I don't know him, but I assume he's an excellent person. Um, yeah. I, well, as you say, I think if you're at that stage of your career and the money is still good enough, and you you want to fill up the till before you retire, um, yeah, there's no better place to live than uh, than Miami. Um, and so, yeah, why not? You know, get a bit of um, David Beckham rubbing off on you. Um, and <laughs> 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 all, right, yeah. all right, moving on. So everyone's everyone's favourite transfer. Um, this so, still going? <laughs> it's gone. You no, it's going. going. I got two things I want to talk about. This Jaden Sancho <laughs> transfer, right? So the fee that's talked about is 120 million. So to put that in perspective, like you could sell a business, like a multinational business, for that much. Mm. So. If you're at the end of a business deal and you're selling that and everyone's been through, you go, all right, you know, we've done all the due diligence. There's a big fee on the table um, and then nothing happens. Everyone's like, let's claw in the lip readers. So one of <laughs> one of a, one of a reputable um, newspaper outlets oh, no. had it on very good authority that a lip reader told them that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said they wanted more money. The deal will be done on Tuesday and there's a clip of Ollie being lip read. Um, okay. That's interesting. Consider Ollie doesn't do the signings, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, apparently the lip readers have come in because this is serious business, Sean. Mm. So lip readers have come in and said, yeah, but it'll be done by Tuesday. It's Wednesday now. And for all the other big transfers I can remember, like Zidane de Real back in the day, Rooney United, the lip readers always were on the money. What does a lip reader charge these days? What do you? How much to catch a lip reader? I'd say everyone's getting a cut out of transfer for Sancho. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of commentaries there. Um, the, other, the, other, the other one I liked was on a, another podcast, um, not as good as ours, but they have a bigger budget. Um, Michael, <laughs> Michael Zork, so the, the Dortmund CEO, came out and said, Sancho is coming to the pre-season camp. Um, there will be no transfer. So okay. this, um, this world-class journalist goes, oh, so that's what he said in the interview. But I think it's more important what he didn't say. So I'm like, mm. you can fill a library with shit he didn't say. Like, that's not journalism. That's just saying stuff that he didn't say. Yeah, he didn't mention um, didn't mention a dog getting stolen, did he? No, no. <laughs> didn't, no it didn't, it didn't pop up. Case, um, case remains open. But what about? I also heard that um, um, Manchester United agreed personal terms with Sancho. So they've agreed personal terms with him. Now you've just got the small little thing, small little detail there to tie over about 120 million euro transfer fee to agree. But apart from that, he's agreed terms. I hate, I hate that, I hate that expression with like they've agreed terms. I'm like it, it's like you've forgotten how to do a transfer. <laughs> like it's, it's so, it's just such a throwaway thing. I think people put in like because for a Premier League club to agree terms with a player, like. The financial clout of the the Premier League clubs, like the big clubs and even the small clubs, like they have a lot more money than the other clubs in Europe. Like it's it's obscene. TV money. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. obscene the difference. So it's not hard for like a player could go from Lazio to Brighton and still get a wage increase. Um, yeah. So it's not. So it's uh, not. It, it means nothing. So you're thinking this this deal is going cold? Are they going to move on to their their um you know Plan B, um, Jack Grealish? No, no, I think I think I think it'll go. Ahead. I think a deal of this size takes time. There'd be so yeah. many different things to look so at. So many like people to pay. Yeah, a hundred mil. Like and yeah, agents, intermediaries, lawyers. Like there'd be so many things to do. I think it just takes time, and people are just so reluctant to wait for these things anymore, um, because they want everything now. But these, it's a complicated deal. Like it's going to take time. So I think it's still, I think it'll be done. But I just like, I'd, hopefully soon, because I'm just All getting right. sick of the the fake news. We'll tune in to uh, the next episode to, to hear us uh, carry on about that again. So um, I think that rounds us out for um, the transfer chat. And um, what we might do next is dive into uh, Jobber's mailbag. You've got mail. You've got mail. So, um, geez, the emails really flowed in. Did we end up? Um, Getting that server back up and running after it got after it crashed, or how did we? Yeah, go? yeah. Um, so I signed up for a bunch of emails from a Nigerian prince. Um, he needs some help getting some money on shore. Um, but look, I'll, I'll hear back from him. That was that was nine percent of the mailbag. But we have real listeners and we have real emails. So here we go. Um, don't, get excited. Don't give out his address either. What's that? Don't give out his address. Um, so he's got. The, <laughs> It's a, it's a handwritten letter. Um, oh, oh, <laughs> so, so the first question comes in from Dom. So it says, G'day, G'day there, Sean and Jobber. Hey, mate. Great start to the series, boys. Loving the energy. Oh, Thanks, Dom. Him. That's how you get read. Um, bit off the grid, but with the Scottish Premiership already underway with the Gerrard coach Rangers off to a good start, that's factually correct too, hmm. do you think this will be the year that Celtic finally get toppled with that creating a watchable Scottish league the, therefore, yeah, so, increasing quality in the league again. Yeah. So, is he suggesting the Scottish Premier League isn't watchable? Is that his first suggestion? There? Um, I think. I think he's saying that it is watchable. Like you can watch it, but you wouldn't. It wouldn't. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Good on you, Dom. Um, I think that um, Rangers should be able to close the gap this year. Um, I think Stevie G is doing doing a good job. I think another year to work with um, work with the players. Um, and yeah, I mean they went relatively deep inside the Europa League. So I think um, yeah, again that that would do them the world of good, bring some money in for the club as well. But I think the biggest problem with that is that the gap's so big. So it's not as if they have a couple of points to close. I just think the golf in 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 quality um, is just just too big. And so I think the gap will close, but not be closed. 
What do you What do you think, Job? So I think there's a couple of different elements to this question. So if you'd asked me this question a week ago, I would have said, oh, maybe. Um, mm. I think with Celtic and Aberdeen having their games postponed, Rangers are a good chance to put a little bit of pressure on Celtic now and get a couple of games in hand, a couple of wins and some points and just see how Celtic react because Celtic haven't chased a title. Well, they chased Rangers for a little bit last year, but it was sort of neck and neck, so it wasn't that big of a concern. But I think to make them chase might be a different feeling, put a bit of pressure on them. Um, so that potentially, but then um, I think there's two things that don't work with Rangers for me. So one is their goals come from Jermaine Defoe last year. He was the, the main source of goals. He's yeah, 37 fight. now and he's injured. And that, I don't know if they have the budget to replace him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you rely on a 37. Granted, Jermaine Defoe is always going to score goals, but um, it certainly hurts their chances. And the other thing is um, your boy, Alfredo Morales, uh, famous for his five red cards last year, um, he's had his head turned because he had agreed personal terms. Again, I know you love that. Um, he had his personal terms agreed with Lille and then they pulled out the transfer. And he also looks like he's carrying a bit too much timber. And if he doesn't turn up, then like Rangers are half a team. Like he's the best player. Um, is he coming in too thick? <laughs> he is. He, he's quite thick. Um, think Shakira. Um, oh, that's thick. But uh, no, look, I just don't. I just don't think this will be the year. They were thirteen points off last year with a couple of games to go. Mm. I think the gap's too big, and Rangers' key men just aren't up to it. Um, yeah. But if they can get a bit of a lead now. Maybe, but yeah, sorry, my, sorry my, Dom, my money's on Celtic for what, think, 11 in a row. Yeah, it'll be 11. Yeah, that's right. So I think the the difference, the biggest difference in the two teams is um, Celtic go away to teams like Motherwell and Aberdeen and Kilmarnock and, and beat them, whereas I think every now and then Rangers drop points to those teams. So Celtic beat the teams that they should beat and win those games that they should win, whereas every now and then Rangers trip up. So it's not necessarily the head-to-heads which which undo them, and they're playing, they'll play each other in October. So, um, yeah, I think that, that'll be a pivotal point during the season. But, yeah, I think that um, that's probably the biggest difference in the, in the two teams. The other thing I thought was interesting from Dom is that he signed off his email with um, – an avid listener. So are we are we just letting listeners, you know, deem themselves to be um, and give themselves AL status or do we have to do that? I think if you give if you give yourself a clever enough title, I'll probably just stick with it. Like you could call it the you could call yourself the football played on paper pianist and I'll I'll support that. Um, <laughs> I won't. I'll, I'll be less accepting of that. But good <laughs> on you, Tom, and have a listener. And, um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to hear your question for next week, Tom. All Anything right. Else? Yeah, we got we got two That's more emails. Two, the the mailbag's oh, been on. weighing heavy on my back. Um, so next on, question. I didn't, I, didn't follow that, I didn't follow that email from Tom. <laughs> Away we go. Right. We'll go with the rest of the SPL. Um, so... Do, do you think it's crazy that the Ballon d'Or was canned? Uh, this is from a nameless person. Do you think the, it was crazy the Ballon d'Or was canned? And what kind of monetary loss and endorsements do you think it cost Andy Carroll? Oh, uh, so first of all, I think it cost Andy Carroll sweet fuck all. And, um, yeah, I, I did find it a bit odd that the um, Ballon d'Or got canned. I'm just not sure what would be. I understand the, the ceremony and stuff like that, but are they still they're still handing out the award? Is that is that right? Or no, I don't, I don't think they are. No, I don't think they give it. It seems award. unusual being why well, why it's, um I, like cause you just ceremony, kind of lose, but like the actual ceremony itself I say is the big ticket item there. Like they're just getting the people in and um it's unlike it's unlike FIFA to be motivated by money. But that's that's um I think the the whole fanfare of it, like you just can't in this climate I don't know everyone, like, you know, your COVID pieces, but you just couldn't have a celebration like that. There'd be too many people. You'd need to space it out. Like, so yeah. I, th- I think Robert Lewandowski has been robbed this year, um, but it is, it's refreshing to see that I think now we're going to see a bit more variety in our Ballon d'Or winners with Ronaldo and Messi. So Ronaldo gracefully declining and Messi toxically declining at Barcelona and taking everyone yeah. he can <laughs> with him on the way out. And, um, yeah, but I think it would have been nice to have seen someone different win it because I, the Modric thing was, yeah, look, come see, comes are for me. Um, yeah. It was kind of like that was a fad. I don't know. If, I don't think Just it was the best Cup fad. Year, wasn't it? Yeah, um, but yeah, I think it's 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 not crazy. It's reasonable. Um, it didn't cost Andy Carroll as much as it should have um, without those injuries. But yeah, look, I'm comfortable with it. Didn't get that Tom Ford um, endorsement 
um, done either for Andy. I was thinking replays of a bicycle. <laughs> that, that would have been good. Um, all right. No, thanks for that email, Jake. I'll, let, I'll just follow that and Joel will get the next one. <laughs> All right, so we don't have we don't have favourites, but um, this is potentially my favourite question. Um, so, hello lads, love the pod. Oh, With long, Leeds long. getting promoted, what does Marco Bielsa bring to the Premier League, and will he be able to keep Leeds up? Cheers, Dedrick. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, Bielsa, he's, he's box office, isn't he? He he's just a. I think you could genuinely make a movie out of his career when, when all said and done, just the stories alone. This old spy gate that happened uh, 18 months ago. Um, but I think in, in all seriousness, um, I think all leads will be doing will be looking to survive. But um, I think anything above 17th for leads is, is a great outcome. Premier League survival, um, but I think yeah, if you are a neutral, watch this space on Marco Bielsa. What do you think, Job? <laughs> I'm I'm biased here, so I love Marco Bielsa. Um, there's yeah. a really good book on him. I think it's called The Mad Man. Um, it's a biography on him. It's very much worth a read. But a couple of things that people will find a little bit unusual: his bucket. So he sits on a bucket, and you can buy that in the Leeds club shop, um, and it's it's weird. He's, he loves his McDonald's, so he's known for going to McDonald's on the way to the game, and he loves a fillet of fish. He quit Lazio. Hang on, um, hang on. Who, who <laughs> eats fillet of fish? That's, that's last on everyone's He's, list, he's pathological. Like, he is out there. Yeah. He's a real free spirit. So he yeah, quit sorry. Lazio after two days in the job. Like, he quits job faster than Perlo makes plans. I was going to say, <laughs> he lost it. He lost it take longer than Ramsey did. So yeah, he's, he's 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 different. Like he, he's entertaining. His press conferences have been known to go for an hour. Um, oh, the, he brought in a PowerPoint that time, didn't he? Into the after Spygate. Yeah, he's yeah, honestly yeah. he's so entertaining. Um, but as a serious football manager, he's one of the best. So um, he's got a philosophy. There's 29 formations in the game, and every kid should know every one of them. And he had to get a work permit to work for Leeds. Um, and so he compiled a dossier of every formation used in the Champions League knockout stages. Yeah, good. That'll, that'll come in handy for Leeds. Oh, no. <laughs> Depends on who's chairman. Um, if they can start getting that, that uh, financial austerity back in. Um, but last thing I want to talk about Bielsa is, um, like, he is, he is a psychopath. Like, there's, there's things out there where you're like, he's weird. But the right people have really good things to say about him. So Pep Guardiola said, um, whenever I speak with him, I always feel like he wants to help me. He's the best coach in the world. You might have heard of Pep Guardiola. Um, Maurizio Pochettino said he's like my football father. Um, How he feels the passion for football is unmatched. And your boy Diego Simeone, um, I have the influence of several coaches, Bielsa, (laughs) Ericsson, Basile. They've all left a mark, but Bielsa taught me the most. Mm, overpaid. There you go. <laughs> he's a serious footballing man. Like he'll, he'll. I think they'll stay up based on him being like his analysis is unmatched. He's, he's, to the point where it's almost psychotic. Yeah. No. I think he's he's box office. Um. As we said, I think he'll be good for the prem. Um. Make sure you tune into everything he does because um it is going going to be very watchable. The only thing I worry about with him um is just how he gets on with the players. So I think some of the unusual and um, quirks that he's got um, inside his personnel and inside his coaching style sometimes turns some players off and you get players, um, as you say, getting their head turned um, or or just falling out with him and, and not really playing for him. So I think if you can keep the players on side, um, that'll be his his biggest, um, biggest hurdle to get over because one thing he won't do, he won't change his style. So the players will have to adapt to him and and run with the Bielsa show because he won't bend um, or break for any of the players. So it's either get on board and do what he does and do what he wants to do or don't play. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's probably the biggest thing I worry about is how well he gets on with the players and how well he gels. Yeah, Thanks for that. That's it for the mailbag. Email. All right, that, that's it. So that brings us to the end of the show. Um, thanks for joining us on our second episode. Um, it was good to have um, all the correspondents in. Uh, we love hearing from from the listeners. Um, our next pod job was probably going to be after the, the Champions League. 
Yeah, Sunday night, and we'll be waxing lyrical about Atalanta, I think. Yep, tip of the week, Atalanta. Is that your tip of the week? Atalanta upset, and uh, Lewis Muriel to come off the bench and score. Very good. Okay, um, a score, multiple goal scored win for Bayern is, is my tip of the week. So, um, yeah, empty, empty those accounts and um, double down on that. Thanks for joining us, um, and we will see you after the Champions League. Cheers. 